0: This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 89, recorded on May 21st, 2018. I'm your host, Matt Lyons, and joining me as always is Let's Go Tribe writer Merritt Rolfing. Uh, Merritt, how's it going? Are the Indians fun to watch yet? Is there um, Are we still in this same miserable little stretch?
1: I'll be honest, I spent most of the weekend not watching baseball. I was uh, in Chicago for a wedding, so that was much nicer than how the Indians have been recently. Although, last night seemed all, at least half good. Yeah, it was one of those games where if
0: they weren't, if it wasn't like such a weird situation, it would just been kind of a fine loss. But with just the rest yeah. of the season all piled up, it not quite as fun to watch. Really, I don't think. Right. Um, yeah. So we'll what are you doing there. with another wedding? You just got married. How many do you need in like a month? Span well,
1: there? my wife's sorority sister rudely scheduled her wedding for three weeks after hers. <laughs> ours, which was something else, but uh. I don't know, you know, timing. I guess it's great, you know, going to someone else's wedding. You don't have to care about anything. You just kind of eat all their food and drink all their beer. It's, <laughs> it's really the way to do it. I got to say, weddings rule. Mine was wonderful, but other people's are the best one because you have no no worries. It's fantastic,
0: especially after you have one and you can just sit back and judge theirs. And no, oh, you're not you don't right. And we judged out.
1: it harshly. Oh man, <laughs> mine was so much better. Are you kidding me? <laughs>
0: all right, Merritt. So, um, so with the Indians tomorrow, they start playing Chicago. Um, they're going to be in Chicago for the first time since this little game called the World Series. Um, game 5 of the World Series, to be exact. Um, and today we have somebody special to join us. He has a post coming tomorrow, or if you're listening um, if you're listening to the top of the post or on the podcast, it's today. Um, kind of like a behind-the-scenes oral history kind of thing of um, the Indians' Twitter account leading up to it. Um, it's Joe Hammond, the former assistant director of Communications for the Indians. He ran the Twitter account. Um, he made that 2016 run... A lot of fun so happy to have him with us today so hey joel hi guys thanks for having me yeah no problem
2: uh, merit the uh despite losing two of three i I, I, Ted, I told some people today i thought the indians actually acquitted themselves pretty well in houston this weekend so oh, definitely no, even definitely. though you, i mean even though you Uber. missed it i think they played uh, i think they played okay
1: i mean yeah i was i was keeping track via you know game day went on my phone during the ceremony and all that so I mean, from what was going on, it seemed like they were doing great. And, you know, I don't have ESPN, so I didn't get to watch any of that when I got home from, from the whole trip. But, again, yeah, they, they seemed like they did very good. I mean, what, what can you do?
2: Houston kicks ass. I mean, I mean, as you guys know, I mean, in the postseason, you're not going to see Josh Tomlin. You're not going to see Zach McAllister. You're going to see Kluber. Carrasco, Bauer, Clevenger. You're going to see Olsen, Miller, Allen, and whatever reliever they add. And then you're going to hopefully score three or four runs a game and scratch out some wins. So I think the Indians will be fine. I know it's a tough uh, I know it's a tough stretch right now. And I'm I'm now that I'm not employed by the team, I'm I'm as uh, you know, uh, uh, frustrated as a, as any other <laughs> fan. But, you know, you're gonna see the best guys in the postseason. I think, you know, Yankees, Astros, Red Sox, the Indians' best players line up with those, you know, match up with those teams' best players as as well as you could expect. I, I mean,
1: it's really- I think, oh, I, I was going to say, I think in a one-to-one matchup, I think the Indians' rotation, or at least top four, is probably better than the Astros' is anyway. The Astros have a great rotation, they're going to be wrong, but maybe it's a little bit of bias on my hand. But, you know, I think Glooper's better than Verlander and and on down. I think Carrasco's better than whoever their number two guy is, and on down the line, so. Yeah, the, AL is,
2: the AL is stacked, though, there's no doubt about it. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, no, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's incredibly top-heavy, even as the. Uh, and it kind of lists in a weird direction of mediocrity, I guess. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to figure out what's going on over there. So
0: we're going to talk about 2016 in a second. But on the same That's note, um, it's nice that their their offense this year feels like it can compete with all those other ones. It feels like the last couple of years, it was like one or two players were the big hitters. And now there's there's a bunch that are really good um, on the especially Michael Brantley healthy, Francisco Lindor, and Jose Ramirez, both MVP candidates. It's nice that... The Indians have one of the lineups
1: who can score. Like,
0: even if they need more than those four or three runs in a playoff game, I feel like they can do it really easily.
1: Even yeah, if I we're think, waiting for some guys to wake up, too, you know, Alonzo, yeah. I think, I I, I know he's going to be good eventually. And then I'm Conarcion. I think he's going to be good eventually. These, these guys haven't even woken up yet. So I think they're going to be very good come, you know, June, July.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think you'll see the Indians uh, add a reliever and add a hitter that can um, platoon with Kitness and Alonzo. So I think, uh, you know those platoon advantages are huge, as you know, and I think they're going to add those two pieces, and that that will make the team look. A, a, you know, I don't think you're going to see Jason Kipnis hitting in the seventh inning against a lefty in the postseason. You know, Mm-mm. I think I think finally, I think by that by October, somebody's going to have have had the talk with Jason Kipnis. Like, look, man, sorry, but this is not how it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: they really need that arm too. Yes, I'm really looking forward to them finding.
2: Yeah, literally I mean, anything. <laughs> that arm could be Mike Clevenger. You know, if they're especially in a, short, in a short series, it's going to be Mike Clevenger. So,
0: yeah, that is a nice bullpen. I mean, we'll have Ryan Merritt back, who might be okay in the bullpen. I don't think, I don't know if he's going to be a permanent starter, but at least somewhere in there, like you said, we won't see Josh Tomlin. So that kind of evens no. things out, I think, in the rotation. No. Um, so, Joel, what we want to happen this year, basically, um, is a lot of what happened in 2016, maybe not the very end of it, um, <laughs> but you were there for the run to the World Series, um, kind of behind the scenes with the Indians on the staff running the Twitter account and you did a lot of, I think that was the first year where I really started to know the Indians. The, we've talked to you before about this last year, but they really started to get like a voice and it was a lot of fun that year. And you're, you're going to write a post tomorrow. Or you're writing a post that was, that's already pretty much finished there tomorrow. Um, I want to basically start where you started with that, which was July 1st with the Indians winning streak. Um, they had 14 games in a row. um, you wrote mainly about the 19 inning game. What, what is it like covering a game that long? Are you just like on edge for six hours waiting for a final score? Are you, I mean, is there any break when, when something big could happen? and you have to tweet about it any single moment?
2: Uh, yeah, well, in a normal 19 inning game, you're, you just want it to, to end. And, um, <laughs> but, but, but that game specifically, by the time, you know, there's a lot at stake there relatively in the middle of, the, of a long season where you're trying to, you know, win a franchise record 14th and, you know, by that time, you know, there's going to be some ramifications um, on your roster because of what you had to go through that day. So, you know, once you get deep in that game, you definitely want to win the game. So, um, and then, you know, just the way it ended and, and what was, like I said, what, what the team accomplished, it was uh, a wild day. I wrote, I write in the post, I won't spoil it all, but you know, the, the, the day was supposed to be pretty routine. It was supposed to be the start of a long weekend. And instead I ended up working pretty much all day long. So Uh, That was a fun day, and uh, you know, we one of my coworkers was was there, of course, and you know, shot us a picture of his scorecard, which was, of course, a disaster, and uh, it was just a fun day, and I'm glad we came out on top. You know, people forget that that game. Like I said, though, you know, sort of, I think it cost. Was it Jabba who lost his job? Um, Anyway, we we had the DFA. I think it was Jabba. We had the DFA the day after because we needed a roster spot for Sean Morimondo to come up. So. You know, it was fun to win, but you know, that kind of set us back a little bit. We didn't play very well if I if, if memory serves after that game for a few weeks just because of, you know, what we what we went through to to, to win it. But of course, uh, you know, the 14, 14 straight, you know, meant something too.
0: Yeah, I feel like the the regular season for them that year was kinda of split into like two big maybe there's more than two, but the two is like biggest defining moments were that and then Tyler Naquin's walk off, which for some reason when I always think about it without looking it up first, I always picture that as part of the winning streak. But that yeah. came like an entire month later. <laughs> that was a completely and different thing. That was in like August, right? Yeah, yeah August nineteenth. Yeah. Um,
2: yep. So it was, it was it was seven weeks later, and it, you know, like I said, I, I'd have to go back and look, but I feel like that stretch, you know, the All Star break is in there too. But you know, we didn't play that well for that for those six or seven weeks. So that's uh, you know that Nate Win game and that series against the Blue Jays um, was was kind of a, a real, you know, it was kind of like a second uh, second wind of sorts, you know.
0: I distinctly remember that time, and then after the long winning streak last year, too, is always the the Indians won too many games too soon. Uh, <laughs> argument that comes out they won those finite number of games where you can't possibly win more later on if you have a big winning streak, but right, they, they definitely what, don't count. Or
1: what is the sense around a team that's in a streak like that too? Because I remember I was in the middle of that. I was moving. I had to, I moved from uh, from Kentucky to D.C. I just they were winning. I I don't know probably. Like, June 29th or something, and I think Bauer, one of those games, and Bauer was pitching, and he's pitching amazingly. And I think to myself, like, they'll never lose again. Like, this team is operating exactly how I expected them always to, and this is just fine. This is normal. What is, what is the sense on the inside, then, I suppose, about, I mean, obviously, you know, they're realist, realistic human beings and not, you know, idealistic fans, but what is it like on the inside of that, I guess, my long way of saying that
2: yeah i mean i think in 2016 it was a little bit different because we hadn't gone through it first so i think then it was it was a little bit easier to get caught up in it mm-hmm. um you know for the players maybe not that they did but you know i think they they talked about it a little bit more and then you know as a staff as somebody who works for the team it's it's you know of course more more fun to go to work and uh, a lot more excitement um last year I think the players did a really good job of, of not really focusing on that much. I know it's, it it sounds like cliche, but you know, they spoke every day of, look, we're just trying to win today. And uh, now from our perspective, what I challenged my, my, my group was, you know, especially the 22 gamer, after we had the 14 gamer, um, it was like, Hey, this is our time to shine. So how can we get creative? How can we, you know, keep this going on social? And so, you know, I think the players did a good job of, um, Of sort of not focusing on it too much, Um, from my perspective, it was cool. You know, it was was super exciting, and we had so much stuff, uh, you know, to talk about and to write about and and to execute. It was, it was awesome. So we we had a lot of fun with it.
1: And so one of my favorite. Go ahead, Matt. I was curious just in general about the GIF making you guys do. I mean, you have so many. How many would you say? No, I said, what what is the process of making one? It seems like you, there's such a quick turnaround sometimes. How like, how big is it? Was was the team you guys worked with? Because the speed with which things came out, or even just you know the creativity of it all, was always it's, it's always been amazing, especially with the Cleveland Indians kind of yeah, uh, account. It,
2: it was a unique setup. I mean, we had a we had a there were just a couple of us that were sort of doing the the day to day, the hour to hour sort of execution. But we had a great team behind us where. We had great photographers. We had a great production team, uh, you know, at the Indians. And then it's kind of a unique setup because, you know, technically Major League Baseball Advanced Media owns every club's website and social media channels. Now they're much more hands off now, um, or when I left, when they than they were when I first started. But so technically, they own our stuff. They own the footage. They own everything. So as you guys know, there's been a lot of controversy around them and what they do with, you know, you know the the people who were stealing or creating their own gifts, whatever. But so they would actually create our gifts for us and they, they were good about oh, turning wow. around. So, um, yeah, it was a, it was a unique setup. And so like the, the game action stuff, mm-hmm. um, Major League baseball Advance Media would send us some of the other stuff, um, you know, we'd create in house. I'm trying to think of an example, but you know, like the, the ones in my last year, um, they were kind of like on a black background that kind of looked like they were shot on a green screen. Like that's our, that's our creative team, our production team that shot those in spring training. Um, and then, you know, like game action, we would get sent to us by, by, uh, by MLB. So. Okay. I've always been kind of curious about just the, the process of it. all
1: Cause you know, I got to make my own gifts or maybe I don't. Legally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember <laughs> for, on the subject of like stealing them. So, yeah. I was um, when Jason Kipnis and, Oh, I forgot who it was. They had their little um, handshake in the dugout the other night, like a couple yeah. weeks ago. Whatever you want to call that, I made a gift for that and posted. It, and I thought I wonder if this is gonna be the one that gets our account banned. If that's <laughs> yeah, if that's the
2: one. Well, they just uh, you know that 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 controversial approach that they have was just rekindled as you guys probably sure saw with uh, pitching engine. I don't know. Jeff Passan wrote that you know MLB told him that they were going to start relaxing that that stance a little bit. I mean, I. I get it, but then I also see what Twitter and, and NBA Twitter does for their game. It's like, man, how can you argue against the results that 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 you know the ML, NBA's approach gets for them? So I I, I understand MLB's approach with it, um, but it's hard to argue with you know the success that that uh, the NBA sees from from kind of taking a hands-off approach.
1: And that Pitching Ninja account is super cool, too. I love yeah. it. I mean, I, yeah. I, I was so bad when that happened. Um, anyway.
0: So, <laughs> so one of my favorite things in this entire post, I think, there's a lot of great stuff, but it's it's the section where you say, if you ever see Tom Hamilton sprinting out of the ballpark, it's likely a fireworks night. Um, <laughs> you said he records his game stuff in record time so he can get moving. Um, <laughs> just the idea of Tom Hamilton like sprinting out of the stadium is great to me. Um, he and does. You said you were like he literally records it and then like power walks out as fast as he can.
2: <laughs> he doesn't. That's not uncommon. I mean, you know, you're there all day, and uh, you know, the last thing you want to do is is sit in traffic after the game. I mean, the best, uh, you know, I, when I when I first started the Indians in 2013, I actually lived like a block from the ballpark, and it was awesome. I didn't have to wait. I could, you know, I could leave whenever I wanted. I didn't have to wait for traffic. And I mean. Just waiting for traffic after the game clear uh, clear uh, is over is is terrible. So, you know, like uh, Arch and, and Matt from STO and their and their staff and then Hammy, uh, you know, they do their their pros by now. They try to get out of there as soon as they can. Now, what's funny is this year it's going to be even worse, which I think I wrote in there yeah. because uh, you know the the queue construction has Huron all messed up. Well, after fireworks show, you can't go out Bolivar. Um They have to let it clear. Um, so you have to go out here on. So it's just going to be a, a disaster. So my PSA to Indians fans listening this year: if you're going on a fireworks night, either plan to stay an hour and a half after, or leave in the ninth inning, because otherwise you're up the creek.
0: Now I got to call you out real quick, Joel. Um, okay. On, on the walk-off game, you said they were down a run and you were going to beat traffic, <laughs> but you well, heard the call going down the elevator, and then you had to go back up.
2: Well, Matt. Um,
0: <laughs> Come on, Joel. Uh, run.
2: <laughs> the baseball season is long. The baseball season is very long, and in in mid to late August, that's those are truly the dog days. And so, uh, I think at that point, uh, I write in the post that uh, you know my son was about four months old, and I, I probably wasn't sleeping a lot at that point. I may have gone in early that day for morning TV. I don't remember that specifically, but um, so uh, yes. I admit, I was trying to beat the traffic on a Friday night in a 2-1 game. And uh, I got in the elevator, and Jose Ramirez, which a lot of people forget that homer, but that homer was huge uh, to tie that game. And uh, so he hits that. I probably mutter the F word under my breath about five times and hustle back to the press box, open my laptop back up. And it's like as soon as I'm logged in and I have Twitter open, uh, Naquin makes contact and, and then I'm like it's a mad scramble to to find what I'm doing so that was one of the more memorable uh, experiences I've had there it's a it's a fun story to tell for sure
1: you know between that and the description of Hamilton just sprinting to his car you're really ruining the magic we all have in our heads of being <laughs> able to work in baseball and how no, this is just a job and it's uh I get it but at the same time
0: you're like, supposed to come, come in that. twirling your hats and so excited to work for baseball <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> Well, I mean, so there you see the, there you see the sort of juxtaposition of why it's so exciting and why it's also so tough to work in the sport, right? Where you've been there all hours of the day, every day, um, and you're tired and you and you want to get home to your family, but then something awesome happens and you are happy to stay an extra three hours. So that, that was kind of like, you know, that's what was the trade-off that I thought about when I was, you know, making the decision to leave. It's like, well, um, you know, family or, or, or this. And, you know, at some point, you know, your, 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 your home life and your work life balance has to, has to win out, but you know, it was a tough decision. And that, that's a perfect example that night's a perfect example of, of why that de- decision was so tough. Mm-hmm.
0: So I want to jump ahead um, to what's affectionately known as the day, the Indians postseason dreams ended before they began, yeah. which it's been two years, but that is still a legendary post in like, cleveland lore i think it's the day that paul hollins officially wrote off the indians with like a little less than a month of the season to go clearly that didn't work out for him but um what was it like just waking up and seeing that after after you say you've been through the dog days of of playing you know the players have been through it and then they wake up and to see that one of the most popular beat writers has just basically called them dead when they're they're still in the the mix of everything
2: yeah i mean it was it was Frustrating, especially because it came after such a galvanizing win, you know, for the players after, after cookie got hit. And uh, to see that, you know, I, I, I remember texting the, our department text thread and, you know, probably swearing some more. And when I got to the ballpark, you know, ran to Kipnis and um, I said, Hey, have you seen this? And he said, I sure have. And so um, I kind of got the sense at that point that I, that this was going to be something that the guys rallied around Um, I think there was probably some regrets all around where, uh, you know, I don't think a couple of the players handled it quite as well as they could have, but I mean, I'm also sensitive to the fact that they just had a great win. They've had a ton of ups and downs this season and they're in position to win the first division crown in nine years and, um, give them, you know, my, my approach always was, why don't you give these guys a chance to you know, they've done it all year long. Why don't you give them another chance to, to prove that they can get through this, which we of course did. Um, so I, I understood the frustration and, um, it was fun to see them, uh, you know, rally around that. And Paul, I mean, you know, I, I think I took actually out of the post. So this is a podcast exclusive, but Paul, Paul was, uh, who is a very, 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 very good person. Um, was a very frustrating uh uh person to deal with from a from a pr standpoint because um he wrote he writes as a fan he, he doesn't write as a as a journalist who um attempts to get every side of every story out he he writes as a fan and um you can see that in his tweets which are, are incendiary and don't paint the whole picture and um very frustrating to deal with paul despite his being a very very good person which i can't stress enough um, so that was just another example of that. And, um, you know, it was, it was a sort of poetic that it came back on him and he faced some backlash. I mean, I think most of the backlash was good natured. I'm sure he faced some, some not good natured stuff, but from our perspective, it was fun to sort of see him handle that and, um, see it come back on him a little bit.
0: If I remember it, he was one of the ones getting sprayed at after some celebration, right? I
2: think it was Jason. Just, like
0: put his arm, Yeah.
2: Yeah. If I remember correctly, I, I believe there was a lot of, uh, <laughs> I think there was a which was kind of funny, and uh, although I don't, I don't think it was quite appropriate. But I believe there was a uh, 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 an F Paul Hoin's chant in the locker room in uh, yeah. <laughs> either in Detroit or Boston or Toronto or one of those places. So uh, a little unfortunate, but uh, uh, funny nonetheless.
0: So how many of those tweets that come back, either whether it's from Paul Hoynes or just anything you guys you guys put out, how many of those do you actually see? I noticed you know a couple times in your your post that the, the replies to a particular tweet are pretty great. I mean, do you sit and see pretty much all of them or how do you sort which ones are worth responding to or what even seeing? Cause I'm our Twitter accounts, obviously not anywhere near as big as yours, but if we have a semi-popular tweet, it's pretty hard to follow like what comments are coming in where. So I just want to know what it's like for such a bigger account.
2: Yeah, we definitely had eyes on, on the replies uh, and our mentions at all, at, at all times. I mean, the, when once the postseason started, it caught me a little off guard about how intense it was. So it was more difficult then, but, you know, we definitely had our pulse on what people were talking about and, you know, especially when we sent something like a few of those examples I put in there where we were, you know, calling somebody out like the guy from Boston or, or you know, putting something out about the Blue Jays and the circumstances and all that. We definitely kept our eyes on those just to see how they were being received and in most cases, you know, they received, uh, they were received pretty well.
1: How much oversight did you have uh, in, just in your day to day, I guess, because I mean, yeah, at times, at times, there's some sass you guys kind of slang around there. So, how much, I did, did anyone really care that much? As long as you were, you know, driving attention and at least somewhat positive, you know, attention to the club.
2: Yeah, we we had a lot of autonomy, which was one of my favorite parts of of working there. And um, you know, I always said that uh, you know it was our job to know. And I believe this for uh, you know any anybody running a, a team social account um to know where the line is and uh you know we i was involved you know i wrote press releases and wrote messaging and so i'm involved i was involved with those processes so i kind of knew the response that we wanted to get out um you know not it wasn't always appropriate to respond with internal messaging whatever but you know we were we were involved with all that all those processes anyway so it was on us to know where the line was and if we were getting close and if we if we were getting close to run up the flagpole but You know, we were, uh, you know, I always said and I always tell people who are running accounts, like, you need to know what your fans are talking about and and be a part of the conversation. That's what we tried to do. So we knew people were going to be talking about Justin Verlander accusing us of stealing signs. We knew people were going to be talking about Paul Hoyne's thing. We knew people were going to be talking about, oh, I don't know, Masters and Otto's thing about the crowd and and the poor town. So we, you know, we wanted to be a part of those conversations.
0: Yeah, that's the next thing I want to touch on is um, I didn't realize this. I mean, I saw the um, the Jason Machinato tweet you're talking about. Is David fly- David Ortiz flies out, and by the sound of it, you think the Indians just won the World Series. Poor town. Um, that was his tweet. I remember that. I remember your response of the salt truck, <laughs> which is pretty great. <laughs> <And> the, <laughs> I mean, that just fed into Cleveland's um, their us against the world mentality. I mean, it's everything wrong about watching baseball. You can't celebrate in the postseason with your your team making a big out. So I was really glad to see you guys sort of go after him. And then it, I guess, behind the scenes, it got really weird. <laughs> Evan Drellich came to you personally and tried to call you out on Twitter. Um, what was yeah, that whole it thing got, like? Weeks it, it later, got too, huh?
2: Yeah, that was during the World Series. We 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 mentioned Jason again during the World Series, and I think that's what set Evan off. And um, I got a text from the press box during the World Series that, "Hey, I'm sitting behind Evan Drellich, and he's looking at your personal Twitter account, <laughs> and he he dug up tweets." Um, he dug up tweets of mine from when I worked at Cranes, like critical tweets of Mark Shapiro when I worked at Cranes, which before I even started with the Indians, which got real weird. And um, uh, so, yeah, very weird. But, you know, I thought that that tweet from the Boston writer was just indicative of like how little respect we had and um, our team had and, you know, kind of Boston's like, Hey, we're, we're good. We're too good for you. Like how, how could you possibly find fault in a crowd? Like, in a big moment in the first inning of our first playoff game in a couple of years, like, like I, I just had a hard time understanding where that came from. So yeah, we got after him real good and um, continued a little bit. And I, you know, frankly, I don't have any regrets about that. Cause I thought that was, um, I thought that was fair game. Like if you're going to take that shot at town, he, he kind of doubled down, I think with another one was another tweet after that. So um, to me, that was, that was fair game. If you're going to, if you're going to send that out, you better expect some blowback. So um, I, I don't regret anything about that exchange at all.
0: Yeah, your your initial response. I think it was either after, or before the salt track, or no, it was definitely after. It was Jason was the crowd reaction acceptable on those two home runs? It's just yeah, so we, calm uh,
2: and murderous. If you remember that, um, you know, we what I think did we hit three home runs in the same inning? No, I think we hit one and then two more in another, in another inning. But um, yeah, he uh, his tweet was. Um, calm down Cleveland fans or something like that. Um, and like I said, double down. So we, uh, yeah, we kept it up and that was, that was, a, that was fun. That was, uh, ironically, I, uh, I sat real close to him in the press box at Fenway and uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he didn't have much to say face to face. Neither, neither did Evan. So, uh, it was kind of funny like, Hey man, I'm just sitting right down here. Come on down. So, uh, you know, funny how, uh, funny how Twitter works.
0: Let's look at my old tweets together. Why don't we?
2: <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, that was – yeah, yeah. Come on down. I'll show you what I tweeted when I didn't work for the Indians.
0: <laughs> the other thing he did was feed into the um, the Indian sign-stealing thing, which I guess that sort of started with the Tigers and then bled over to the Red Sox and the
1: the ALDS. Oh, it definitely started with the Tigers. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. not, that's not mince words here, but yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was just – this went back again to like that whole season. It was just like – and I, I I don't really like the whole Cleveland versus the world thing, but it was kind of like – Nobody was giving us credit for playing well and and and, and doing what we needed to do. So, um, Master Donato sort of hid behind, hey, I just asked the question. These guys said it. But, you know, you could tell that there was some fishing there. So, right, wrote a story about sign ceiling again. So, um, you know, we had the last laugh there again with, uh, with our last tweet from Fenway. Um, so, those were, you know, those were things that kind of, I think, fed into, you know, the Indians are – you know, they're they're fun and that sort of thing. And um actually it's funny. We were in the we were in the clubhouse, sh- you know, champagne everywhere. I'm soaking wet. It was it was kinda chilly that night, if I remember game three in Boston. It was it was like fifty five degrees, but I'm like soaking wet in shorts and a long sleeve T shirt. And I didn't know if I was allowed to go out on the field at that point, but I, I did I you know what I said, forget it. I had my credential. I ran out the left field in Fenway and snapped a picture of the of the of the scoreboard on the monster and uh <laughs> And uh sent out that tweet which was uh one of my favorites. So um <laughs> and that was uh then we went and partied, you know. That was it was fun. It was fun that night.
0: <laughs> and that tweet for anyone listening was couldn't steal this sign, so just took a picture of it, which is just the final score of the game, which is great.
2: Yeah, that was a that was a pretty good mic drop on that one. <laughs>
0: um so uh the ALCS, the Indians are already pretty I mean they're pretty strapped. They don't have um Carlos Carrasco, Michael Brantley I mean who else at that point there's a few other you tweeted specifically but they're pretty shorthanded and Danny then Trevor Bauer, Bauer. Yeah, yeah yeah and Trevor Bauer goes and sticks his finger in a drone and it gets cut. Yep. <laughs> so yep. what I mean again just what is that like it, you said um oh who was it that came and talked to you right away Bart Swain I think Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so One is there any kind of direction too. like you need to address this you don't need to or We
2: did not we did not address that from our account we just sort of tweeted out the news that that Trev would be pushed back and, and JT would start game two. And, um, and it didn't take long for the real, I don't, you know, like one of the national guys had it first. And, um, you know, after that, it was just like that day was kind of a cluster, you know, um, you know, which we expected. I mean, what are you going to say? Look, the guy made the guy screwed up and cut his finger. And what are you gonna say? I mean, I don't think Trevor got enough credit for pitching game three for trying to pitch through it. um, you know, when, when, do you guys remember this? Like, we were, this was, a, we had a road game watch parties at B Dubs downtown. So we were, we were there watching, and we're up 2 0, and it's kind of fun, but it's also a little bit nerve wracking because you don't know what to expect. And, like, do you remember when they first cut to his finger on the shot? Oh, on the yeah. Broadcast? It was, was ripping <laughs> blood. Yeah. Like, it was disgusting. And no, we're all it really just was. like, what on earth is going on here? And he tried to pitch through it. Yeah. yeah. He I was to just pitch just hiding
1: through it. it. Yeah. He's hiding it from the umpire. I'm like, it's fine. No, well, it's funny.
2: Mered, it's funny you say that because if you know anything about Bauer, Bauer's the only guy who doesn't wear the blues all the time, right? He wears whites at home and he wears grays on the road. Mm-hmm. Well, he wore blue that day, and why did he, why did you wear blue that day? That's that's brilliant. So the <laughs> so, so good the blood, blood, yeah. So the blood would not show up on the gray uniform. Now, of course, it you know it got a lot worse than I think anybody expected, and it went on his pants. But he wore blue that day in case he needed to wipe his finger on his jersey.
0: And I think his biggest um, problem with that afterwards was that he couldn't use the um, like the glue to to keep it shut, which probably would have worked, but he wasn't allowed because mm-hmm. of a foreign substance. And that kind of right. led into this whole Astros thing going on this year.
2: Right, that's been his biggest beef with the with the Astros this year is that he he wasn't allowed to um he wasn't allowed to do that, and he doesn't use Pantar, tar so, supposedly. And so he wants either everybody to be able to use stuff or nobody to be able to use stuff. So it's funny how that's come full circle.
0: Now I want to back up a minute here um, with the uniform thing. I even asked um, Francisco Lindor about this. He didn't know, obviously, or maybe didn't tell me. But do you know why the Indians use the blues so much? Is it just a preference or like superstition?
2: No, I think it's just starting pitchers' uh, preference. There's been a little bit more. Like, Kluber just wore the grays on the road, I feel like, didn't he?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's been a lot more grays on the road. There wasn't for, like, the first month and a half there wasn't a single gray Yeah, on the road,
2: but. and then somebody picked – who picked the uh, – might have been Tomlin. I tweeted out the one Sunday – or the last time Tomlin started at home, you know, they wore the home whites with that red block C cap, which I thought looked awesome. Oh, yeah. Um. But, yeah, it's just starting start, starting pitchers, choose them. And, and I, I don't know if during the playoffs that year they were just, you know, they all wanted to wear blue because it, it was working. But, uh, yeah, starting pitchers, choose them.
0: Yeah, it didn't seem like – I thought it started during that postseason. I thought maybe that's kind of just kept going on. But maybe just yeah. – yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So did none of the starting pitchers like the red throwback uniforms is what you're telling me? <laughs> well – um, I loved those and I'm wanting them all the time
2: well unless that's like an official alternate uniform i i've, uh, I've heard somebody tell me that the, that caught co- like that that one sunday or saturday summer um i think we wore them against the royals and they wore their their powder blues or whatever but like yeah. i think that's like super expensive to do that one off like that i think it costs like like 50 grand or something like that to do that Jesus. somehow cuz i think what happens is you have to if, like if you're hosting a, th- a throwback night at your ballpark, you have to pay for the road team's uniforms also.
1: Oh wow, I didn't realize it was that big of a. I think it's just a, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, right. multi-billion-dollar industry. I'm like, whatever, you know. But right, I, I mean, at the same time, like that's a couple yeah. salaries right there. I suppose. So,
2: so, so I don't know if you know, I don't know where they're going with alternate uniforms next year. I know, like, if they are rolling out a new alternate uniform, it would have had to be submitted to MLB by now. So, you know. Um, you know, I, I I don't I don't I don't know that information, and I truthfully wouldn't tell you if I did, to, so I wouldn't <laughs> violate my NDA. But, um, uh, yeah. So anyway, to do it one off like that, I've been told that's like super expensive.
0: So that puts a new perspective on the whole Chris Sale thing. A couple years ago, I mean, he cut <laughs> up a lot of money.
2: <laughs> I wonder if he paid that tab if he since he cut Just, him up. I would think
0: they at least try to make him do it, but right. Um. So. And the World Series itself, I mean, I've had colds before and I've had to stop doing <laughs> very menial <laughs> jobs because of it. Meanwhile, you were running a Twitter account, being a parent and following a World Series for three games. How much of games three, four, and five do you really remember, or was it all just a blur of NyQuil and Dayquil and whatever you had? Well,
2: you know what, it's funny. I was I, I got sick during the ALCS and then of course we had a little bit little bit, little bit of a break, which is good, but our, our baby wasn't sleeping very well. So I wasn't sleeping well, so I couldn't get better. It's funny when I went to Chicago, that's when I started to feel better because what I did was I just stayed in my hotel bed and slept until we had to go to Wrigley. It was the first time in like two weeks that I'd been able to sleep. Um, so that was good, but it, it was kind of a bummer. I missed the, uh, you know, the world series gala and uh, I missed a few other things, but I was just so sick that I had to, I had to, uh, you know, try to get some rest, but, um, It was, it was, it was just crazy. You know, I mean, I, um, I think I wrote the piece that, so the team left after game two, let's see, the game two would have been Wednesday. So the team goes to Chicago that night has an off day and a workout on Thursday. I actually, which I write in here, Paul Dolan, um, chartered two planes for all of our staff and, uh, and guests to go to either game three or game four. So I actually flew with my coworkers on a private charter on Friday morning, to game for Game Three, went to Wrigley. Um, you know that was the day that long rumored Carlos Santana. You know, so we had stuff to do. We wanted to get that out before anybody else had it. And so, um, you know, the auxiliary press box at Wrigley was up in the left field upper deck. It was cold. It was windy. It was miserable. You know, the the auxiliary press box at Progressive Field was in the kids' clubhouse. So we had a really cool setup for for visiting media. And in Wrigley, actually, I think Game Three, I sat up there. And it wasn't that cold, that game. And luckily, my, my boss gave up his seat in the main box for game four and game five because I was sick and it was getting cold. So uh, it was just kind of a whirlwind, you know?
1: So, Joe, uh, I did have one question for you, yeah, actually. Sure. Uh, I sure. wanted to run it back. Uh, you met – all right. So the Indians wore the Wahoo basically the entire postseason, right? Yep. And they're getting rid of it, obviously, for obvious reasons. Yep. Was there any pushback at all from, like, the league or did you? I mean, obviously, you, maybe you weren't involved with it really, but maybe tangentially. Anything you heard anywhere, but like the league office saying, could you not? Or because, like you See, said, I, the, the you know the pitchers pick, and so and you you know. But I just, I just, I just because that was something that was mentioned on Twitter a bunch by a bunch of different people. So
2: yeah, I, out, I have to add. Yeah, yeah, I mean, make make no mistake, Rob Manfred does, did not does not like the logo, and so I'm sure he cringed every time we wore it, but. Mm-hmm. I don't think the league at that point was in any position to sort of say um, you can't do this. You know the the craziest thing that, that w- regarding Wahoo was, you know, the whole Canadian thing where you know our clubbies were in Toronto preparing to rip the patches off the sleeves if if that tribunal ruled in favor of of those groups that didn't want us to wear it. That's and, crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, I think that ruling came down at like four o'clock the day of the Mm -hmm. game. And so I mean, they were, they were getting ready to scramble to, to, to make that work. And so, um, that was messy. And and I I think I wrote in there that, uh, that was my biggest issue with Wahoo was it took away that year from our really good team. And, um, and frankly, in 2017, it took away from our really good team in the playoffs. I mean, that's what, People wanted to talk about that instead of, you know, some people, not not everybody, but um anything that was my biggest gripe with it was anything that took away from people talking about our team should have been eliminated, you know. Um at the same time, and, and people kill the Indians for this. And um there's very real financial considerations um when you talk about something that a fan base, you're paying customers are um tied to you know mm-hmm. and so that was always the uh the consideration and so um i'm happy he's going away um i i hated that during those two seasons our, our two big years there that people that if one person talked about wahoo instead of our really good team then that was mm-hmm. one person too many you know that was that was my biggest gripe with it
1: no, I, I, I agree with you. That. I mean, every time you see any highlight of them on, you know, on Twitter anywhere, at least someone's going to pop up in the comments talking only about the logo and not about yep. the 22 yep. game win streak or, yep. or what have you, you know? So, no, I, I mean,
2: okay. And
0: even on the next level of that, there was always like those slow zoom ins on um, people who were dressed up and everything in the world series.
2: That well, and see, that I was lot. always, oh, I agree with that completely. Matt. That was always my biggest fear when, when the team was announcing that it was getting rid of it and, um, it was drawing more people like that to the ballpark. Like whether you like it or not, people are passionate about it, and I was concerned that those crazy people that dress up like that—I—I I am frankly still concerned if they're in the postseason this year, um, given the the spotlight on that—that that more people will do that. And so mm-hmm. I, I advocated for there to be some sort of policy um, at the ballpark that you sent, essentially couldn't dress up whether that was like that whether it was like chewbacca you couldn't come to the ballpark with a costume on um now that's a little sticky when your uniforms still have the logo on it like you can't really i suppose you can't really tell people you can't wear it to the ballpark if the team is still wearing it so they're they're in a little bit of a sticky situation i feel like this year and i just hope that um clevelanders don't do that anymore because it makes us all look bad
0: so I've heard people suggest that, but my my thing for that has always been like just telling people that is going to cause such a huge backlash outside of the stadium and everything. I, would it be better just to to let the few people who are going to do it do it for a couple of years and then it'll be kind of fade out on its own when the logo is not there
2: anymore? You could be right. I mean, I, I was just always concerned that given the passion that we always saw on the topic, that like that that would draw more of those of the, of the really passionate supporters out in that and, and make us look even worse during the playoffs, you know? So it'll be interesting to see what happens this playoff. Did you see, I mean, you guys probably saw the opening day video that cleveland.com did of, of people yelling obscenities at, at uh, Mm -hmm. the Wahoo protesters. Like, it's just like, get over it. You know, like that makes (laughs) us all look bad. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know? So it was always just an awkward position to be in. And, um, I'm glad that I'm glad they've, uh, they're you know they're cutting they're cutting ties that don't need to form at least. Yeah. So,
1: so let's get to my least favorite part of your article: the entire World Series it turns <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, I mean, you know, obviously you follow the team all year, uh, ALCS, ALDS, all that. What was the What was the biggest change in terms of just in, in in general the media, but in particular just being a social media presence of a World Series team as opposed to just, you know. It's August fifteenth, and you was tweeting, or you know, you're tweeting stuff out about this or that. What was the biggest change? Would you say was there anything? I mean, obviously, you said you were super sick, but
2: it just intensified. You know, I mean, it was, uh, you know, your 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 mentions and and your your comments were manageable during the regular season. I mean, once you got to the postseason, I mean, we had two people with our eyes on it constantly to make sure we were. you know, keeping up with everything and knowing what was going on, knowing what people were talking about. So it was just, it was just super intense. And, uh, but it was fun. You know, I mean, it was awesome. And we, we got a lot of great, um, publicity for, for our team, which, which, which I loved. It was a chance to brag on, um, the people I work with directly. And I think I mentioned them, but like, you know, we had a great intern group that year. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we had two great photographers and our, our creative staff did a great job and, you know, we rolled out that rally together thing for the first time. I know you guys talked about whether it's, it's a uh, old hat by now, but you know, then it was perfect timing and it worked really well. So we had a lot of great people involved then. So, um, it was a great chance to tell the organization story, to tell the social team story and, um, to get people talking about the good stuff that, that we were doing. So it was, it was a lot of fun.
1: Did you feel like you were battling uphill at all because on the other side of it was, you know, the greatest curse in baseball history and all that stuff and trying to, I don't know, garner attention? Or did you just not worry about that, really?
2: That's a great question. You know, I, I didn't worry about that all that much, although, you know, when you talk about knowing what your fans are, are discussing, yeah. you know, we knew we were very keenly aware that there was a perception out there that the, the national media um, were not giving us a whole lot of love. Um, Now, having said that, I think Clevelanders have that sort of chip on their shoulder generally. You know, like when you see, when you look on Twitter, like during these Cavs games, like I think that's like just a Clevelander syndrome, you know, like, (laughs) and I didn't really, I mean, we were in the free world freaking series. Like there was enough attention for us, you know, but, but we knew that there was a perception that Joe Buck loves. So great, great, uh, great question and great application to what we did. So we knew that. Our fans were talking about Joe Buck's love for the Cubs and Schwarber yeah. in particular, and and Kyle Schwarber. So we <laughs> used that to our advantage on Twitter, and and uh, and uh, you know asked MLB. They they posted about Schwarber one time, and I think our reply was, "Does Joe Buck run this account?" So we so it's it's a great it's a great look into like how we worked. We knew what our fans were talking about. How can we apply it to what we're doing? And so, um, like I said, kind of a good peek at how we uh, applied the conversation to what we are up to. That's cool.
0: Yeah. It's a big difference between um, a lot of teams that either just like robotic spitting out news or just trying general like not trends of their fans, but just general trends on the internet, trying to cash in on it and make it relatable.
1: Yeah. You guys memed really well. I'll say (laughs) that much. (laughs) That's a very quick way to say what I said. (laughs)
0: And then the last thing um, I don't want to spoil what it is because I think it's kind of neat that it's in the post and um. You said that only your son know it for this long, but you, you, you did have a tweet ready for if he means one the world series. Um, like how hard was it knowing you had that ready and how close were you to, I mean, I guess posting it, was it already ready to go and you, you ran it by some people or, um,
2: so yeah, I don't want to spoil it. People got to <laughs> click, got to give you guys some clicks and got to <laughs> give you some traffic. Um, <laughs> So, you know, we went through, we had some visuals ready to go, and we had our copy ready to go. We we uh ran it through the team and we um you know, we were ready to go as soon as you know Carlos Santana had a walk off in the in the ninth, which never happened. So, um you know, you plan for that. When we planned you know, we planned in like, uh, July, our division clenching stuff, and we had great content and great, great copy. And we had a good plan. I had, you know, I, I mentioned in the post that we, you know, had a life proof case because we were going, you know, we got approval to go in the clubhouse and we knew we were going to get sprayed. And, you know, it's a lot of planning. And, um, you know, we were lucky that, a lot of, you know, a lot of our plans got to see the light of the day because our, our team performed so well. Um, unfortunately, just the last, that last little bit didn't get to see the light of the day. So um, it'll finally see the light of the day on Tuesday on Let's Go Tribe. It's very bold of you to to, to play the division clinching comment uh, in the middle of July. I have to say, <laughs> but we were well, seven and a half games. It was more. I guess that was more like. Uh, no, I know. Just you know, it, like visuals and uh, and that sort of thing. But sure. you know, we we waffled a little bit, and frankly, I'm still a little uneasy about putting our you know the the, the copy for, for the World Series out there, just because um, I'm sure we would have we would have gotten a little bit of um, blowback that we sort of. Um, you know, piggybacked off something that wasn't ours and that sort of thing. But, you know, I mean, you guys saw it's, the post is a great recap of like some of the like sarcastic and, and uh, you know, snarky stuff we did. And I thought, you know, our plan for the for the clinching copy fit right in. You know, it was just sort of sort of like a natural progression fit right in with that voice where it was like one last shot across the bow, you know. So um, I'll be interested to see what people have to say about it tomorrow, whether they would have liked it, would have hated it
0: yeah oh i I have one more thing you sent me the uh, pictures of the world series ring um
2: i know you yes. have two kids now joel uh, who gets that yes. ring
0: who's that uh going in
2: the will to <laughs> uh i mean heck at this point
0: uh, half. you know
2: matt uh matt knows merit just got married so uh at this point i'm I'll probably have to pawn it to pay for diaper bills and uh, formula bills for my That'll cover for you for my a couple kids. of months. Yeah, so I'm not sure that uh, it's ever going to make it to the will. It's probably going to be pawned before then uh, for to pay for some, for some uh, uh, formula bills.
0: I could see someone in like 2030 frantically searching Joel Hammond fan graphs. Who was this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Joel. Well, thank you again um, for coming on, talking to us, for writing this whole post, of course. It's really great. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad you're able to do this and I think it was Matt Schlichting mentioned it too. However else did, thank you for bringing that up and um and just writing the whole thing.
2: You got it, guys. Thanks for giving me the uh the opportunity.
0: No problem. Thanks for coming on. Um we're gonna take a really quick break and um, then we'll be back. Hopefully take maybe a time for one or two questions. I feel i than not do any of them. So stick around. We'll be right back. <laughs> And we're back. Uh, thank you again, Joel, for joining us for the for that conversation. That whole post, I'm really excited about it. I know I just said it a minute ago to him, but it's going to be really neat. I'm glad you do it. It's yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Merit, we did get some questions. I mean, we got a lot of them this time, and I feel bad we're going to miss out so many. But I do want to at least get a couple that I think are good here.
1: I mean, I'm sure some of them are evergreen is a thing. So we have that going <laughs> for us at least.
0: <laughs> trying to see. I guess what level of confidence do you have Milky Melky Cabrera's evergreen? I can answer that any time of the year. It's... <laughs> full confidence in that cannon of an arm that he has apparently yeah.
1: i actually have a much more complex answer to that because <laughs> when was the last time he was really good i guess is the real question i mean what what do we expect out of monkey what what is confidence in monkey cabrera right is it a literal league average bat i mean perhaps yeah. that's like what basically. he's been the whole time that's basically what he has been his whole career yeah maybe a little bit more i don't know i, don't, I mean you know, He's 33 years old now. Does he want to play baseball that much longer? I don't know. Maybe he'll suddenly become some sort of weird, not weird, it's normal now, but like a huge fly ball advocate and, and just over the next you know, five months mash 38 home runs for the Indians. So we, what did we find here? Gold, apparently. There's gold in them <laughs> Dar Hills. So, this he, was a... so oh, I was, he, he was so good years ago, you know?
0: He had that year with the Giants when he was just insane. Well, well he was on steroids. Yeah. So. Oh, well, wow. <laughs> yeah. you know he's really good though (laughs) (laughs) i forgot about that and then he suddenly plays a lot less games next year with the blue jays that's weird it's a weird Uh, uh, coincidence
1: things happen you know what can you do what can you do about the the you know the the vagaries of luck i suppose is how i would explain that (laughs) so this leads nicely to our next question uh, from at
0: david f david j fabian he wants to know in your opinion should all our outfielders get healthy who stays and who goes because, I mean, right now, if you count the disabled list, there is just a boatload of.
1: 17 outfielders, I believe it is, right? <laughs> Conservatively, yeah, 17. Somewhere in there. I mean, I'll, I I think the answer, obviously, is, and I don't think I'm wrong in saying this, but obviously it's Brantley, Zimmer, and Chisholm. And then I guess Geyer. And then what? You get a fifth outfielder?
0: Wait, so who do you have so far? Chisholm, Brantley,
1: and. And Zimmer. And Zimmer. Yeah, I don't think they're going anywhere. And, and then, then. Geyer. Well how many I mean how many outfielders are we talk, how many outfielders should the team have? Five, right? I guess that's a number that's a good number? I guess so is, is Rajai Davis that or is Greg out? I'd take Greg now Allen they have officially. Davis. Yeah, but I mean I'm I don't know, man. What about Tyler Naquin at this point? I've been yeah. I've I've written articles for and against him so many different times, I don't even know how I feel about him anymore. So <sighs> Davis just can't hit at all. And <laughs> that's true. I mean, if you have Zimmer already, and we're assuming t- full health, obviously, then you have someone who is a better outfielder and is faster somehow than Raja Davis. Davis has the knack for stealing bases, but I think that if I had to pick one of the two, I'd go, I'd take Zimmer. And then I don't know. I mean, I guess in a for a pinch runner situation, obviously, you'd go you go with Davis over Allen, only because he has again. I think stealing bases is as much a there's technique as much as there's speed in it. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think Ricky Henderson was only really fast. I, towards the end of his career, he was still stealing like sixty bases a year. Um, what did I say? I say Milky Cabrera. What I said, Ricky Henderson, there, right? Yeah, yeah I said Ricky did. Henderson. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Blacking <laughs> okay. out for a minute. Whoa, <laughs> rambling. Uh, but but I, I, I think there's some skill in that, and and I think Davis does have that skill. It's just he has limited other skills. Yeah, I think there's, I would some say those five.
0: Could, yeah, there's some rosters that could keep Rajai Davis on just for a pince runner, but I don't think the Indians, when they have to platoon two outfield
1: spots, can be one of those. Well, I like, don't they think they'd platoon two outfield yet. spots, though. I think they'd only platoon one. I I I remain firm in my belief that Bradley Zimmer is an everyday center fielder, even if he only hits 240. Oh, I firmly believe He's, that. I don't believe it's going to happen, though. I, I don't understand why, though. I mean, defense, if everyone else is hitting, if if your right field spot is performing at a give it a a one twenty WRC plus, and then you have Brantley fully healthy, you don't need a, a great center fielder that can hit. And so, and I'm sure the team knows that he's there for his defense more than anything. And, and the and the bat will show up eventually. I mean, it's it's got you know it's it's one of the reasons he is a major leaguer. It's not just the glove. So. I, I do think that will happen. And, and so you don't really, I don't think you need to platoon center field again if he's healthy. Yeah. But I am
0: fully game. with you. I, I hate platooning Bradley's there. I hated it even last year. I mean, if he's, if you don't believe in him enough as as half, or as half a full time player, you probably don't believe in him enough as a platoon. bat. he didn't have huge splits throughout his career. He did a little bit in the higher ends, but he does not need to be platoon. And like you said, his defense is the most important thing. If he's hitting yeah. really bad against lefties, you can keep him out there for the defensive boost.
1: Like I'm pretty sure he just hasn't ever hit. That's the thing. It's not right. he, he hasn't hit this that. <laughs> yeah. He's just he's just always been. He just his entire time in the majors just been, been a bad hitter. So that's whatever. I mean, if that's who he is right now, he's it's not like he's old. He's 25 years old and he's only played 133 games in the majors. I don't think it's too, it's. I think it's a bit too early to make a judgment on that. But even if it isn't, if he's batting eighth or ninth, and you have two MVP candidates on the infield and they're small dudes and when well, even mentioned that the large sluggers that you have like I, I think that's something you can get over and it, and it helps the key to the entire team which is the pitching staff of so that's my five anyways
0: so let's uh, wrap it up uh with a question from at Kevin Gammon he wants to know is the team's strategy to survive the weak AL central until the trade deadline and then try to bolster the bullpen it would explain why they did so little to add to the pen after Shaw and Smith left um, I don't think you go into a season thinking we're gonna win the division, so who cares? But yeah, sort of. <laughs>
1: At this point, I, mean, I guess it's their,
0: they're not gonna make a trade in May, no matter what. But I, I guess yeah, they're just gonna try to survive in the weak division and get some of the deadline.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. Why I don't know why trades don't happen in May. I mean, some for the most part, I get it sometimes. But like, there's teams you know are out of it. Like for instance, I don't know why Machado hasn't been traded already. Well, you should have traded before the season, so oh, he should have been traded a year and a half ago. They were going to, so, but whatever, you know, like you trade him now because so you can get at least, you know, one more mid-level prospect. But as to their plan for it, no, again, that's nothing you can really plan for because if that is a way the Indians actually think, then that's absurd because then you get bit in the ass by I don't know the twins of the early 2000s or something like, that, or the mid 2000s suddenly becoming pretty good. Or
0: the twins of 2018. I, I still or don't the, understand why the twin. Well, everybody just assumes the twins are part of the garbage pile in the AL Central. They're not. They're they gonna, were a playoff team last good. year. Yeah. No. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And like they have a bunch of young talent and they added more talent. Yeah. They lost their their catcher, uh, who was Castro, who's again vital to the development of young pitchers like like Jose Barrios. But still, it's it's a danger. Even I was looking at, the, at records, the Tigers. Are not as far out of it as, as I thought they <laughs> are. Would be. We really
0: worried about the Tigers, though. Well, I'm going to no, regret saying I, that if they come back but somehow. Just, but
1: again, like the Indians are 22 and 23, which is embarrassing. I tried to commis. I tried to uh, commiserate with a friend of mine who's a. Uh, a Mariners fan at the wedding I was at. You can knock him. And she would Mariners. have none of it. She was like, yeah, whatever. Why don't you lead a division with a losing record? I was like, Oh <laughs> the, the guy, the, the, the groom is a white Sox fan. I was like, and I wore Indian socks too. he was like, he was like, Hey, nice losing record to lead a division. I was like, oh, get out of here. team's trash. <laughs> but nice yeah, anyway.
0: for the next three years,
1: <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, the, the, they don't have enough ability to do anything resembling scheming like that. But yeah, I do like what Joel said about them trading for an arm because they so need to, they so badly need to. And I'm tr- I can't th- think of who it will be, but like my eye wanders towards the, the Baltimore Orioles, and I'm sure they have some kind of arm there. <laughs> Just they gotta so have one somewhere, right? I mean, they have Brad Brock, who was good a year ago, and in MLB the Show helped helped me carry the uh, the uh, Padres to a World Series. Well, there you go. That's all you do. I don't know. There's there's guys there too who might be good for at least for a year or so. Like, I know they were saying on Effectively Wild sometime in the last week or so. Like, it's it's easier probably to judge a, a reliever based on a uh, single year, like like first half, and second half, rather than over several years, because that's not how relievers work. So there's guys like Richard Blyer who might be good. I don't know. Twenty four innings. He's allowed twenty five hits and only four runs. That'd be nice to have, wouldn't it, Matt? That'd wouldn't be, it? That'd be pretty nice. I don't the problem is I don't
0: think there's another Andrew Miller out there. And they need to replace Andrew Miller and Brian Shaw. I saw somewhere where I think it was um Mike Hatterdy said on Twitter that the Indians they're not going to compete bullpen wise, so they might as well just go all in on like an outfielder and a you know the starter pitcher if they can. I kinda like that approach because they're not fixing the bullpen all the way to compete with like the Yankees bullpen or oh. or the Astros bullpen. So I mean you just kind of forfeit that position and help everything else succeeds. But we've seen so far that a bad bullpen can really ruin
1: things. Oh my God. It's so can like <laughs> like when I, 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 but Mike Petriello tweeted today about the, about the, uh, the Astros fifth starter shutting down the the league's hottest offense. And I literally had no concept of the Indians having a hot offense right now. You know, I, I like, I see it, <laughs> yeah, but because it's been so bad with them, just tanking games because of the bullpen. You just didn't really notice it because it's, it's hard to be happy with anything when everything went, when the last three innings of every game are amazed to say the least. Is Andrew yeah, Miller going to hit the DL? Is that, is that
0: actually going to happen now? I mean, I would think it, it's moved to his back now. So oh, Lord, he don't to to come back from that right away, away for a, tall, you you yeah, when you're as long He's... and lanky as Andrew Miller, you're going to be out for a little bit. Oh Lord, they're going to be so bad. <laughs> Why don't is Zach McAllister sure
1: gotten better? What's going on here?
0: Why has everybody else gotten worse?
1: Why has everybody gotten so bad? <laughs> there was actually an interesting uh, uh, post on the um, on the Indian subreddit about the bullpen's pitch selection, which I found very interesting. I hate to bite the guy's uh, flavor. I can't check Reddit on my work computer, though, so I can't tell you who wrote it. But it's there, but they've been throwing way more fastballs this year than in, than in years past. Which is interesting in an era where everyone hunts fastballs. Which is why I'm excited for Tomlin being in the bullpen because he can't throw fastballs. So, <laughs> so is that maybe a Carl Willis thing that he's trying to get? Or um... that's what I'm wondering. I mean, it could be. He's he's definitely not a. I mean, I'm not saying definitely, but he, he's probably not as forward thing as someone like Mickey Callaway. Maybe not. Up. But like that's such a thing that the front office has to notice. <laughs> and like as as much autonomy as someone like as Terry Francona has when compared to say. I, I literally can't name the guy who just won the AJ Hinch, AJ Hinch, or um, whoever the manager, of the Diamond, you know, any, any of those kind of pseudo faceless managers who are just um, like puppets of the front office, as is always talked about. Like, I, I feel like they have to have some sway over over how things are decided, right? Like that just makes sense to me. Yeah, if, if the front
0: office, I mean, I don't know if if it's Terry Francona, it's going to be a lot harder to right like hold your leverage over him because he's terry francona but
1: and 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 if he's the one picking the pitching coach and the pitching coach is the one having everyday conversations with the pitchers as opposed to whoever like i remember reading about the pirates having a guy who was a front office guy but who was always with the team kind of creating a, a dialogue between the two and he like would hang out with the pitchers and the team and they got used to it over time so i don't know i mean I, again i don't know enough about the inner workings of the Indi- the indians themselves Itself, the Indians itself. Whatever. You know what I mean.
0: <laughs> Themselves, you know.
1: We'll yeah. Um, I don't know. They just need another picture. Who the hell is okay. Oliver Drake? Jesus Christ. <laughs> He's Oliver Drake. Remember Evan Marshall? <laughs>
0: Throwback Thursday, Evan Marshall.
1: <laughs> Remember him? Yeah, do yeah, they I, make jerseys for, for the pro shop you can buy for some of these guys?
0: <laughs> it's just like written in <laughs> Mark Oliver Marshall. An Drake, Drake
1: jersey. going to sell like a this Dude,
0: what happened to Evan Marshall? He was there for like a game. They DFA'd him, and I think they signed him back to a minor league deal, so he's back now. <laughs> Who's going to claim Evan Marshall? They're, they were fine. they do that. They should um, trade for Manny Machado. I don't think he's a good reliever, but, I mean, they could try it. I,
1: I wouldn't I doubt. He's got a good arm.
0: And also, <laughs> you know, whatever.
1: I want three MVP <laughs> candidates on the infield. Three! <laughs> Yeah, why not? Just get all of them, and then come on, screw it. Although uh, after reading that article about the the mid '90s Indians, that's how they got themselves into trouble in the early 2000s by trading all those prospects. So yeah, what do I know?
0: Yeah, I, I mean it's really neat. I mean we're getting way off topic now, but it's neat that the Indians are where they are now without having such a hard rebuild like these other teams did. Oh, I mean, they I, weren't I that I bad just... between like 2007 and 2013.
1: They were like at worst, they were kind of shitty. Yeah. But, like, and there were some bad uh, – let's, let's not get into it. To there were some lean years in there, and I was thinking about this when reading about Josh Tomlin going to the bullpen and then Adam uh, Adam Plutko Adam Plutko coming to the, ma- the the majors and Ryan Merritt healing up. I'm like, boy, just thinking back to, the, say, the 2009, the 2009 Indians with, <laughs> I don't know, Jeremy Sowers and <laughs> David Huff and Aaron Laffey going, man, they really find these guys. It doesn't Stephanie's matter what year it is. just the Masterson oh man well <laughs> oh that was a good year Cliff Lee was there for a while Yeah. oh man Cliff I like Cliff Lee this should, should bring him back but younger this should bring back the <laughs> can you get that 29 year old Cliff Lee
0: can you just do that real quick
1: yeah come on now I mean I've, I'm convinced they have a cyborg building device so come on yeah alright Merritt we've been talking for a while We're yeah wrap it up right here. right
0: alright <laughs> thanks for joining me again and thanks everybody for uh, listening wherever pleasure. You are. see you next week